0: Welcome to Give Him Hell Brigham. Jeff, it's another week and we have more about banking to talk about as you informed me of a new cryptocurrency. I mean, you know, Brigham Coin's getting a little bit of run. There've been a few random purchases from people that we I love don't it. know. Um, but our value has dipped a little bit, just because you know Stellar, yeah. it's the the currency that it's pegged to has gone down, which is unfortunate. That um, I don't know if do you think the IRS will let me report a five million dollar loss on my taxes? Is that? I hope so. I don't know why they wouldn't, because the IRS is going to start tracking all of our money in the future. Everything we do will be tracked, and that's. Really what I want to talk about, and I teased this on the Twitter machine earlier this week. I just want to offer a warning to everybody about FedCoin. It's not out yet, right? And it may not be called FedCoin when it's out. They may come up with some catchy name to make you feel better, like digital dollars or something like that. But I have this firm belief, and we talked last week, right, Garrett? That I, I, didn't, I said I'm not a conspiracy theorist, except for that I am. And I I don't think this is a conspiracy as much as it is putting together things that are happening, looking at the greater direction of where the country is headed and really every industry and starting to put pieces together, right? I think you would agree with me. We are a digital world now. That's not breaking news, right? I mean, that's, we know. And cryptocurrency is no longer just this weird thing like Bitcoin isn't just this weird thing that nobody knows what it is. Like it's out there and people are accepting it. It's not mainstream, I wouldn't say, right? I mean, and jump in and tell me if I'm wrong. It's not mainstream, but I think the general population is at least aware of what Bitcoin is and this digital currencies. Is that fair? Yeah. I think everybody's heard of Bitcoin. So why would why would the the, the Federal Reserve and the government not also go digital, not also jumped on this currency trend, right? We now have this platform that is being proven out by Bitcoin and others that there is a digital platform that works for currency and it's and it's growing. And the entire world is going digital in just about everything that they do. So why wouldn't our currency follow suit? Let me tell you why I think it actually is and why it scares me as a generally anti-government person. Right now, the Federal Reserve has an interest rate of zero, right? They have in an effort and they claim in an effort to boost the economy. And we could argue about whether or not that's a thing or not. But they have lowered the Fed rate down to zero. If you look over in Europe, there are a lot of countries that are at negative interest rates now. And it's, it's more than reasonable to assume that eventually, whether it be this year or five years from now, eventually we see a negative interest rate at the Fed. President Trump was really pushing hard for a negative interest rate. And on the surface, that seems great, right? A negative interest rate at the Fed means that banks have to lower their rates and therefore cheaper access to money for consumers. But if they go to a truly negative rate, those savings accounts that some, you know, online savings accounts, you can usually have a higher yield upwards of right now, like 75 basis points. If, you, if you're lucky, you can find one at 1% right now at a traditional bank that's, you know, your savings account rate isn't going to make anybody rich. It's like 0.005. 0. 0. 0. Yeah. But it's there, right? Like you're being paid money to store your money at a bank. But if the Fed goes to negative interest rates in order to stay competitive, right? And in order to keep profitability up at the banks, the banks are going to have to start charging you to keep your money in savings accounts, right? Because their yields on loans are going to shrink. As the Fed rate goes down, they have to stay competitive. They shrink their yields on loans. Now they can't afford to just give you money to keep your money on deposit there. So now, Garrett, you're the consumer and you're looking at this and you're saying, well, wait a minute, all you're doing in my savings account is holding my funds. Why would I pay you, bank, to sit on my money and distribute it out and profit on it? I can, I can save money by just keeping my money in cash in my pocket. So that's what people would do, right? That's where people are going to go. That's when the Federal Reserve comes in with their digital dollar to save the day. They come in and they say, Garrett, I will give you 1%. We're trying to phase out the dollar. We, the, the cash is dead. We want digital currency. That's the way everything is going. We have this great platform that you can have all of your dollars held on your smartphone. You don't have to worry about keeping cash anymore. You can have a digital dollar called FedCoin, and I will give you 1% return on every dollar you exchange into the Federal Reserve. Well, who's not going to take that? You're not getting a return anywhere else on your cash. So now you take your whatever your dollars are and you get 1% back and now you have FedCoin. Why is FedCoin bad? Maybe it isn't. Maybe you're, you're okay with it. But what I don't like about FedCoin is what's the value of cash? I can give you cash and nobody has to know. Like I can have cash in my pocket. Nobody has to know. But now every dollar that you spend with FedCoin would be tracked by the United States government. You would not be able to do an office pool of, hey, let's bet 50 bucks. Everybody put 50 bucks into a pot and fill out March Madness brackets. Winner gets all. The government would know. And they would they could tax everything. You know, every if you got extra income from, uh, you did some work for your neighbor, you mowed their lawn and they gave you, you know, a hundred bucks. Now they can see that it's like Venmo, depending on what that title is, If your neighbor says lawn mowing job, the government would have access to that. They could then see and potentially tax you for just helping out your neighbor and him doing you a favor. This is where I see our society going. And I'm not a prophet by any stretch, nor am I some financial payments expert, but I I like to think I'm informed and I like to think that I'm realistic. And this is what I see happening. And I'm scared for you scared for me I'm scared for all of the hellions and the listeners out there this has me scared you know and it's I was thinking about this and related to this and just in terms of like oh you know as the kids these days say money printer go burr the the strange how it's like, why did we need this stimulus? Which I'm still waiting. I don't know why. Did your stimulus check clear this morning? I idea, got, I got it. Uh, I got it yesterday. I Mine hasn't come yet. So I got the first two right on time, but this one hasn't showed up yet. So I'm kind of like, mm, got, I got my tax refund already. So I was a little concerned about it, but the, you know, it's kind of like why you and I didn't lose jobs, you know, during this, like, why are we getting money? And then I realized it's like, oh, well really they could have just expanded. I mean, even it breaks it down, right? That if, if you sum up the three stimulus bills, they could have just given like the bottom four quintiles, the like lowest 80% of earners in the United States could have given each of those households, just cut them a check for 50 grand and called it good. And that's how much money was spent in the last year on this. But it's like, Okay so they bumped up the uh employee, unemployment like 600 bucks or whatever. It's like why didn't they just cap it and say like we will replace 100% of your income if you lost your job to COVID? That's it. Nothing else. We will that will pay out the bare minimum and you know put some checks in place similar to like PPP of like you're not purposely laying people off or whatever. Or just do it all through PPP but it's like instead of all of the other stuff that had to get added in. But it really is concerning that you know it's I I like my anonymity. Right. I like, you know, you know, I like the, uh, the convenience of Brigham coin, not being very traceable. Right. And, you know, and in all these things and different, I like my privacy, I want to be left alone. So I, it is actually funny too. I remember reading a couple of years ago that there was a, um, that there was a bank that tried to file a charter and they were, I think they were going to charge fees, but their whole thing was they were not going to be a fractional reserve bank. Like they're like, we are going mm-hmm. to keep 100% of your money. This will be the safest bank in the country to put it. And the federal reserve would not approve their charter because wow. they didn't it's play weird. the game. They wouldn't play the game. And it's, I mean, even, I don't think most people will probably, I'm guarantee most of our listeners have not read most or all of the Dodd-Frank Act, but even to like people when they're concerned about like. FDIC insurance on a bank account that it's, you know, they waste. Well, it doesn't mean anything now because now under Dodd-Frank, if a, and you can look at this because this happened in Cyprus in Greece during the meltdown or the recession, they, um, under Dodd-Frank, if a bank needs money before the FDIC will bail them out, they have to do a bail in, which means proportionately whatever your holdings are with that bank, the bank will just take them and say like, look, we are bankrupt. Our balance sheet is off by $2 billion. Proportionally, we're just going to chop $2 billion out of all of the savings and checking accounts from people that are held to our bank because you know, in proportion to what you have us holding to make it work. And that's like, so they just are going the same way the Fed will just print money and give it to banks if a bank fails, the, the process in place now is for that bank to just delete money out of thin air and say, you gave us this money. We lost it. It's gone forever. Like your savings account said you had $50,000. You owned 0.0001% of this. So we are cutting off. Like, you know, this is proportionately, sorry, we're taking $2,500 from you. And that's it's terrifying you, man. to fix our balance sheet. And it is scary. And that's why it, it, I don't think crypto is ever going to go away because this is a problem and people see this it. This is. And, and people get it. And that's why like there's been a run on Bitcoin. It's it's growing again. Gold, Gold's dipped this year, but it's going up over the last couple of years. And we said it last week, when trust in the dollar goes down, these other forms of currency start to go up. The thing that scares me is you You illustrated it really well. Like I'm a banker, right? And I have a firm belief that small community banks really do operate like a traditional business, that they have a PL that they manage. They don't have the the ability to screw people out, nor do they have the ambition to screw people out of money. Community banks are good, but big banks are terrifying to me. Big banks are very, very scary. And who owns the Federal Reserve? I I would be willing to bet that most people don't realize that while it was the federal – while there was a government act that enabled the creation of the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve itself, the entity, is a government entity, the Federal Reserve banks that are spread throughout the country are not owned and operated by the government. The Federal Reserve Bank of Denver, the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, the, the governing Federal Reserve banks in each region of the United States, they're privately owned. Are people getting dividends? I don't think so. I think that there's some protections and things like that there. But when all of these things, uh, it, it's just suspicious, right? It's not necessarily the government running it all. It is private entities that are behind these Federal Reserve banks. I don't know, man. There's just a lot of things that it has me weary. That's all. So this we're, we're starting the show with a cautionary tale of, hey, maybe... We don't want, this isn't an anti-socialism thing. While I'm not a socialist, we're not here to tell you what political party to join. I don't really care what political party you join. I could not care less. But I am concerned with FedCoin because we all need money, whether you're a socialist, whether you're not, whether you are red or blue or whatever. Money is an important aspect of all of our lives. And I think what's happening to the current Our, I guess, environment of money is is concerning for all of us. So here we are. Now we're aware. Now we're woke. And now we have to do something. I don't know what. I'm not that smart. I just raise my hand and say, hey, I think there's a problem. I don't know how to fix it. But I'm relying on you, listenership of Give Em Hell, Brigham. You guys are smart. Please, let's find a way to fix it. And if you are wondering if this is a banking podcast, it is still a sports podcast, but we both work in banking in our day jobs. And as we are on our lunch break at noon on Wednesday, recording this, then it is, you know, it's hard for us to switch gears a little bit. And also it's the off season. So there is some lacking of sports content. But speaking of noon on our lunch break, you know, Arizona is great because Arizona does not do the daylight savings time game, right? Like it's the clock stays the same the entire year as it should be. I think the whole world should go one step further and just get rid of time zones entirely. But that is a different discussion. Um, and I've brought that up to people and that people say like, Oh, what? So I'm supposed to go to work when it's dark outside. And it's like, why? Like Don't be so tired. Time is is a construct made up out of nothing. Right. Like the idea of nine to five being the waking hours of where it's light outside. Like that's a random number. Like you can work. Oh, I work from 5 p.m. to whatever. And I sleep from 9 a.m. Like whatever. Just get one 24 hour clock. It will make things easier. And anyway, but it's now that I work for a company that's based in Utah because the time change, I don't work nine to five anymore. I work eight to four and I can't decide if I like it better or not because it's uh you're you're a night guy. I mean like yeah. when when I send a text, if I can't sleep and I send a random text to our group chat at one o'clock in the morning, uh I typically could count on a response from you at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well I'm a night guy. Like I go to bed early, but then it's like I wake up and can't fall back asleep. i am am a I'm a can't mm. fall back asleep guy, but it's yeah, and it's so I usually, I mean, I would usually get up around like seven forty-five, eight. Like our, the kids usually wake up at our kids usually wake up at around eight. So I'd get them up, and I'd like, you know, help get breakfast and do everything in the morning, and give my wife a break since she has to deal with them all day while I'm working. And then now it's like, oh, sorry, you have to get up and deal with them breakfast, or we can change their schedule and get them up at seven o'clock. And then put them down an hour earlier and do that every six months or, you know, deal with them being cranky and keep them down at the same time. It just kind of gets complicated, but I can't decide if I like it yet, but this is now we are ready to pivot into our actual intro, which you, let me pull up your exact quote here on this, that you told somebody the other day when, um, do you said, um someone you said i think i'm about to buy a meat grinder and someone at logan replied to you whoever logan is and said i guess we all know what the first 30 minutes of the next give Him hell pod is going to be and he said which was ah, a reasonable assumption it I mean, is a reasonable and we may talk about meat grinders next week um but you said huh probably next week i've got one hell of an intro plan for this week i do and i actually did some homework now Full disclosure, we're going to open up the kimono here a little bit. Typically, we come up with our agenda like 10 minutes before we start recording. Like We're really not nearly as formal as we maybe should be. I actually did homework on this one. And I have, and I even included pictures on our agenda. I went through the tournament the tournament brackets, all 68 teams that are included on the brackets. And I, I went and I did some research on the mascots, not just the name, right? Like BYU Cougars, we all know who the Cougars are, the actual mascot. I went to the Cosmo level of each of those 68 teams and there are five mascots and there's probably more, but there are five mascots that I am very, very comfortable saying that you Garrett would beat them in a fight. But I have very little doubt that you could take them. There are five other mascots. I mean, there are certainly like there's obviously the Huskies. I don't think you're going to beat a pack of Huskies or Wolves. But there are five mascots that I think would beat the hell out of you. And I want to go through those. And so for this, for this for is, as you were talking about like Huskies and things, if the mascot was plural, like the Cougars. Is would it be one cougar or a pack of cougars? You're right. No, 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 no. It is. It is. If it if you're if it's the Washington Huskies, it's whatever their mascot is. So you're fighting so Cosmo. just okay. Just Cosmo. Yeah. And so here we are. I've got five now. I, I don't know what the best way to roll these out. And please, people, I've included their names. So we're going to talk about their names. So this should be fairly easy for you to research this yourself. We'll probably tweet some pictures out as well. The first mascot, and this may be surprising, the first mascot that I'm confident in you, Garrett, is Mario the Magnificent Dragon. A dragon, the Drexel dragons. This is the softest looking dragon I have ever seen. Now, when you Google Mario the Magnificent Dragon, you're going to first get a statue that is on campus at Drexel. And this dragon looks like one of the war dragons like remember the cartoon Mulan how Mushu is supposed to go get the big dragon but he breaks the statue well this looks like the big dragon that Mushu was supposed to get and so you think oh wow Mario the Magnificent's gonna be deadly uh no then you get to the actual mascot this is a soft blue cushy has like uh, he's just soft. Everything like, about him is it's soft. It's almost Even like his the, teeth are like I mean, normal looking teeth. Drexel being in Philadelphia, it's almost like, you know, like the weird, whatever the hell the Phillies mascot is, that weird green yeah. thing. It's like the dragon version of that. Yes. So I am very confident that if you had to go mono e mono against Mario the Magnificent, I'm putting my money on you. I am not putting my money on you if you ever had to face Killian the Gale out of Iona. Uh, this dude's tough looking. First, I had to make sure. I mean, obviously, Gael, I kind of know what that is, but I, I wanted to make sure that I knew what that was. And really, a Gael is just anybody who is affiliated with a Gaelic language. So really, I guess a Viking right. is technically a Gael. Well, but, okay. okay more more like the Vikings' descendants after they kind of pillaged well, everybody. But, okay. Yes, yeah, like a Gale is someone from you know Scotland or Ireland. They are the Gales. So killian is the meanest looking gale i've ever seen when i think of gales the first thing i think of is randy bennett and do i think that you could beat randy bennett in a fight of course i do absolutely of course i do but when you look up killian the gale i don't think you stand a chance i think that killian the gale would have his way with you he is mean he's got this like Kind of creepy-looking smile. He's got a big, full beard, but like an Abraham Lincoln beard. He doesn't have a mustache. Everything about Killian the Gale scares me. The, I don't think you stand a chance. Speaking of gales, here I'm going to paste this in. The, that is the St. Mary's Gale mascot, and it looks like it's like Fabio or something. Oh, yeah, like soft. It's, it's the face is like weird and shiny, and the eyebrows yeah, are way too. Terrible. It's like you're supposed to be a barbarian from like 1720 or whatever. That's terrible. Like, whatever. Uh yeah so no could could you beat St Mary's gale of course you could but Killian I, you don't yeah. stand it. Killian looks like uh, he's seen some things like Killian the gale looks like a certain, like Killian the gale is part of the IRA and has detonated multiple bombs in public spaces 100%. that's that is Killian the gale 100% All right jumping back over to the ones that I do feel confident uh I feel confident Grand Canyon University, we've talked a little bit about them. Their mascot is Thunder the antelope. Now, an antelope is not a real intimidating animal in general, right? I mean, they're small, like a white-tailed deer. They don't have big, huge, like, racks of antlers. So it's they're kind of at a disadvantage here. But even the mascot, they took something that is already kind of wimpy, and they made it wimpier. Like, it is very clear that this is a mascot designed for children and that's another topic for another day that and really maybe i'll just ask the question to kind of get your thought uh do you think you could beat up every how do i say this what is the age where you could no longer beat up all of them in existence i could beat up every eight-year-old in existence Mm. i think i could probably beat up every 10-year-old in existence could I beat up every thirteen-year-old? I don't think so. I think there are probably thirteen-year-olds that could take me. Yeah, I mean it depends. I mean, if you've seen like uh, Dylan Moses, the dude who's like played linebacker Alabama, and I don't know who he's playing for in the NFL now, it's like YouTube. Like, because he was playing yeah. junior high? You can play high school sports if you are like good enough, and you just go to the school district like starting four, five school on the varsity football team as a 7th grader, right? Like, it's insane. Like, he's not the only person that was like that. There's people out there, you know, that could do some ridiculous things. And, um, you know, there's people out there that could do some ridiculous things. And I am not, you know, I'm not, yeah, I think probably 12 or 13 is probably where, like, there's someone out there. Puberty does some weird things. And that's probably the tipping point. Uh, but Thunder, Thunder's just, uh, it, it reminds me of the Sandlot when they're all standing there. They've realized that they have lost the Great Bambino's doll, and Small says, no, I thought you said the Great Bambi, and Ham is like that wimpy deer. I look at the antelope, but that's what I think. It's like that wimpy antelope. hes He's terrible. I think you can take Thunder the antelope. Moving back over to the other side, Big Red the hog out of Arkansas. Would annihilate you. Oh, yeah! Like he—he he has a very cosmo feel to him. Like it's very clearly just a human body with a big head. But that is the meanest looking hog in the world. Well, oh, and, and I hogs, have, are, hogs are scary. Hogs are scary. I have zero confidence that if you had to square up against that hog, that you would win. And I—I I say that as a man who respects you a great deal. That hog would take you to the woodshed. It wouldn't even be close. Um. Moving back to the to the, the mascots that I feel confident in. Billy Blue Jay out of Creighton. Now, a blue jay a small little bird, you should be able to fight it. But when you look at Billy Blue Jay, it doesn't even look like a blue jay. The mascot, he looks like a dolphin. So this is a bird who somehow looks like a dolphin and has this big goofy smile on his face. No, no, you could take oh, that. A, a blue jay is tiny, like, right? Like it's I mean a blue jay's I, tiny, but remember, you're know. fighting. You're fighting the mascot. Uh, yeah, and this mascot—I don't care how big it is; it could be a ten-foot mascot. I still like your chances. Okay, because it's just—he just looks happy. Um, I might offend you with this next one. No, I am very offended. I want to bring up this next one. The next one you have <laughs> I... on the list is BS. It's freaking Otto the Orange from Syracuse. <laughs> it is an anthropomorphic, whatever that word is. <laughs> Orange, I don't, Like, you don't think I could stick a straw on that thing and start drinking and just deflate him and with no, some? No, absolutely not. I do not think that. Look, let me tell you why. Okay. You've had a clementine orange, right? The little baby ones. Yeah. They're, they're super easy to peel. You really just stick your thumbnail in and you could start to right. peel it, right? Then you've had a regular size, a size orange. Can you still peel it? Of course you can still peel it, but it's a little bit harder. It's no longer just stick your thumb in. Like you've got to think about it a little bit more till you can get through that peel. Fair? Yeah. Now go to a grapefruit, a little bit bigger, even a little bit harder to peel. This is that on like a thousand scale. That peel of that orange is going to be like body armor. And he is going to be protected by the peel of this orange to the point that you know you what are you going to shove into him you're going to take a plastic straw to a, a peel that is conceivably a foot thick You're gonna stand a is, chance yeah i guess he is does... going to beat you with his endurance like he's not going to roll over you and you're going to die immediately but you are going to be so exhausted in this fight that eventually he's going to win and well he went just like i will pass out of exhaustion and then he's just gonna be like, yeah hey, I'll, I'll lay it's <laughs> right, exactly Steel. right Okay, I can't, exactly I can't it. argue with that one. No, I, I had to think long and hard before I put Otto the Orange on this list. I don't. I just don't a see a way that you, you win. You made a case, and I will yeah, I don't that. see a way you win. You know, the next I do one, think... I kind of was going to disagree at first. Like, I would have switched this with the next one of who I could beat up because tortoises and, like, turtles, they can be yep. kind of scary too, right? Like, they got jaws, and, like, they can get you. Like, people have died from getting, like, bit by a turtle before but testudo the turtle the mascot of you know whatever the terrapins from maryland he doesn't look like a scary turtle he's kind of like a remember the cartoon like in the books like franklin the turtle from when we were that's in exactly what school. i thought he looked like, <laughs> like he's like did he just he's like a he looks like one of the little mario turtles where if i just jump on his shell like mario or luigi and kick him out of the way it's game over like he doesn't yeah. he's gonna roll that's up in exactly. the ball and be gone exactly that and also have you ever seen on it used to be on animal planet call of the wild man no you ever heard of this you need to when you have a few extra minutes go to youtube and look up the turtle man from call of the wild man his his call is live action and he's this guy in kentucky And he is really just like an exterminator, but he doesn't kill the animals. So if you get a raccoon stuck in your house, you call the turtle man and the turtle man goes and gets the raccoon out of your house. It's one of the more entertaining shows that I've ever seen. Just this true redneck to his core. And I have seen this man, this man who has more teeth missing than he has in his mouth, which all due respect to the people who are missing teeth. My uncle also is missing more teeth than he has in his mouth. So I can relate to that. This man handles snapping turtles. I lost all respect for snapping turtles when I saw Call of the Wild Man live action, take it to a snapping turtle. So I do think you could beat Testudo the turtle for sure. Magnus the Viking at Cleveland State, similar to Killian the Gale, you don't stand a chance. This is the meanest looking Viking I have ever seen. He's got a sash, like a Miss America sash that says Magnus down his chest. He changes his costume. So that makes me think he definitely has some sort of Thor-like war outfit. And so if he knew he was going to battle with you, you don't stand a chance. Uh, I I, I think Magnus, uh, he is maybe the one I am the most confident in that you would lose is Magnus the Viking. He's just tough. More than the Gale. More than the Gale, I think. It's close, but more than the Gale. Uh, The last one here, and this might surprise people, Winthrop. They are the Eagles. I could not find a name for their mascot. I think Um, it's just the Winthrop Eagle. I actually, as someone who has gone to upwards of like, I don't know, close to 15 sporting events at Winthrop (laughs) University. I forgot about that. uh, I, I think it is just the eagle like it's just the the eagle yeah and so and it's which that so knocks the, it down right there like if you don't even ha- if you are not even threatening enough to demand a name then right. you do know the the history of the winthrop eagle like he had a really cartoonish looking costume uh not too long ago in fact like it wasn't that long ago but in recent years they have tried to make their uh their mascot, I think, more eagle-like and less cartoon-like. And I'm telling you, this is the weirdest-looking eagle in the world because it does have some realistic features to the Winthrop eagle that would make me think, because, like, could you fight a real bald eagle? Absolutely not. That eagle wins every time. But this eagle is he's, – he's, he doesn't he, – he just doesn't look like he's firing on all cylinders. His mouth doesn't close. I'm so not scared of this eagle, and there's no chance that he can fly. So, yeah, you've got the eagle under control. If Magnus the Viking isn't the scariest one that you have to fight, it would be Wushok from Wichita State. I don't, I don't know what he is. Is that what? Does he get the benefit of the doubt because you don't know what he is? Is that kind of what's happening? Well, here? I, he just looks tough. I mean, is really what it is. What are they? They're, they're the shockers, right? And I yeah. think that their logo has some wheat. And so I think that he is a like a grain of wheat, but is like this bionic grain of wheat that he is yoked. He looks like he is absolutely tore up on heroin and he is ready to just wreck fools. Yes. So I just like that. So according to the school's website, a football manager back when Wichita State had a football team. And they really did once upon a time. It was not made up for Ted Lasso. They did have a football team. Um they, a football manager invented the nickname in 1904 because a lot of the players harvested or shocked wheat to earn money in ah. the summer. A shocker is someone who harvests wheat. So it is just a giant bundle of wheat. Why it is Wu shock, which I guess it's Wichita, uh, like worse, this should be know, S like Wu. Cause I was like, Oh, it's Wichita university. No, it's Wichita state university. So they're missing yeah. an S in there. I don't Maybe Maybe it's just like an, an homage to Wu-Tan yes they're just big big (laughs) 80s rap 90s rap fans (laughs) i don't know what else it could be the but uh he's tough looking man I i don't care what he is like this yellow thing and this black shirt he wins and it's not even close so i you know i will give that to you as well i'm a little i'm still offended by the orange blob getting me but Everything else I'm mean, going to carry really and play with the Gale, like the Gale and the Viking definitely don't want to mess with those a wild hog, totally understandable. The shocker does look like Gordon Ramsay, who is strung out on heroin and angry oh, for yes. his next score. Yes, that and, is what this is. <laughs> Holy cow. The that Lord. is a yellow <laughs> Gordon Ramsay for sure. So, yeah, I can't unsee this (laughs) You're you're not beating Gordon Ramsay. You would never know that that the March Madness is starting for BYU in like three days because we have spent the first 45 minutes talking about absolutely nothing related to BYU. But, Gordon Ramsay, the shocker, that is the takeaway of today's episode, without question. The fact that Wichita State's mascot is a methed out Gordon Ramsey is the only thing that you need to remember from this show today. It really is. Besides the fact that you need to go to HersheyHighcountryBeef.com and buy some cow, buy some meat, right? So the, you know, it is we want to take a break. We've had a very long, thorough intro. And here we are going to take a break to have a word from our sponsor, um, or Jeff is going to read us a word, some nice words in a very poetic form from our sponsor, Hershey High Country Beef. Scott grew up raising cattle. His grandpa was an immigrant from Switzerland who helped settle the Bear Lake Valley and was one of the first to raise cattle in Bear Lake. Uh, he, Scott grew up learning from his grandpa and his father, the ins and outs of raising beef, and it has always been his dream to own his own ranch. Scott found himself immersed in corporate America in his career, but he always kept his passion of ranching as a side hobby. He raised his five sons and his one daughter on the ranch. In the past, because it was just a hobby... Cabs would be sold off to meat suppliers and distributors but recently we've all seen what happens when supply chains are disrupted the shortage was not due to a lack of beef supply it was due to an inability to process and transport beef to consumers hershey high country beef has resolved that issue they have eliminated the middleman and they now provide beef directly to the consumer the swh ranch raises grass-fed Angus beef in the mountains of southeast Idaho in the summer and along the Great Salt Lake Valley in the winter. They are presently reserving whole or half beef that will be ready in early summer. In the future, as their business continues to grow, they hope to be able to provide on-demand meat options for monthly delivery, but for now they are taking reservations on whole or half beef. This is mountain pasture, free-range, grass-fed, Hormone-free beef. A whole beef will net about 400 pounds and cost roughly 2600 to 3100 dollars uh, for 400 pounds of the best beef that you will have. You can get a half cow that will net about 200 pounds and cost between 13 and 1500 dollars. Absolutely phenomenal beef. This is the way to get beef and, and to really enhance your palate and to increase your food storage. Hershey High Country Beef. That's H-I-R-S-C-H-I, High Country Beef.com to make a reservation and to increase your food supply and your beef supply. Thank you. And have did you cook any beef this week? We need to bring back quarantine kitchen. Did I cook any beef? I did not cook beef this week. I cooked a lot of pork this week. Mm-hmm. I did not cook beef this week. What did you, what from uh, our swinely friends did you cook up? Uh, I made some Al Pastor. Classic, uh, can yeah. never go wrong. I, I did that like two weeks ago too. And what else did I make? Uh, I made something else, but I can't remember what it was. Something with ham. Ew, why don't you, that's like the worst part of a pig. I don't, I don't get, ham Ooh. is gross. I don't, I'm not a ham fan. No, 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 no. You, ham is great. Uh, but I can't remember what I cooked. It was something with ham, but uh, well, it couldn't be that great if you don't even remember it. So <laughs> the I made, I made beauty this week. I saw that. I didn't look absolutely. And I use beef because one, um, goat is nasty and I don't know if you've <laughs> ever eaten goat, but it just does not taste great. And two, it's hard to find and it's kind of expensive. So I just used some prime truck roast. And it was wonderful. I tried a little side by side. I did some just normal braised it. Some I smoked it for two hours before braising it. And if you've never had burria, it is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Just kind of braised in a chili sauce. Almost like if you've ever had like a chili verde or chili Colorado, it's pretty similar to that, but braised long enough to where it shreds. And then you make tacos with it by you dunk your tortilla in the grease from you know, what you've been braising it in and then put it on the grill griddle and put your meat on, put some cheese on, fold the tortilla over and then cook both sides. So it like fries up a little bit in Delicious. that flavored grease. And it was wonderful. It was, I started with the kind of my base. I just, used, well, I kind of decided to do it because, uh, Sam, the cooking guy who we've, you know, talked about the last three weeks now on the show did, he did, one And it popped up on YouTube and I was like, oh, you know, I haven't had biddy in a while. Like I'll try making it never made it before. And it turned out great. But my wife pointed out because my in-laws came over and my wife was like, wait a minute. So you are taking a, you, a white person are taking a Canadian dude's video recipe and serving it to Mexicans. That is a very bold move. And I was like, oh, well, now that you put it this way, I'm, I'm kind of questioning all of this, but everyone enjoyed it and it turned out very good. So well done. Well done to you and well done to Sam, the cooking guy. I mean, yeah, I think he does actually I know it, own a taco restaurant. Like it's, but it's does more of like a, not, not tacos. Yeah. It's like a 180 tacos. If you've ever been there in Provo, where it's like, it's kind of like off the wall, like, you right. know, Asian, you know, zing, this flair, like Greek tacos, whatever, ta- you know, it's a, it's a more, it's a fusion place. It's not just your standard carnitas al pastor carne asada pollo asado you know lengua mm-hmm. tacos right uh, i did buy a meat grinder and one of the first things i'm planning on making is chicken smash burgers uh that i want to make like hawaiian so you grind your chicken put some seasonings you know green onions whatever in the like chicken. a teriyaki smash burger yeah with like a pineapple teriyaki maybe a strip of bacon or something i'm okay. pretty excited about it i, I don't know where it's a recipe from my head, but like we've all had teriyaki burgers. How hard can all it right. be? Yeah, be we got to get into some BYU content, man. And let's start things off with some sad news, breaking news that has been breaking uh, right before we recorded. Sean Bradley uh, was involved in an accident. He was riding his bike and he was hit by an automobile. And BYU legend, Dallas Mavericks star, and Space Jam star, Sean Bradley, is paralyzed. Which is absolutely awful. He says that he is going to. He is doing okay. Sounds like everything's going to be okay. Paralysis aside, clearly a huge adjustment for him and his family. Uh, but he is going to survive, and he wants to use his good fortune in su- having survived the crash to raise awareness for bicycle safety. Uh, and Sean Bradley, Sean Bradley, Sean Bradley certainly has the platform and the experience to to do that and to do a lot of good really glad that he survived the crash but just heartbreaking news that he will no longer uh be able to 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 control his entire body that's just that is horrible news and other um horrible news it does sound like i know many who are around um if you've been around campus at all um, for, or the athletics department for any real extended period of time, you've probably seen Danny Plater walking around at sporting events at BYU or even on campus. Uh, it does sound like his health took a turn for the worse this week as well. Um, and so he, I mean, Danny's had a struggle for a long time that was caused, you know, with, he had a brain tumor or an aneurysm or something, he's something that kind of impaired his brain function. And so he has, he's really struggled for a very long time. Um, just with his health kind of related to a cognitive decline from that injury. And so it's, it's as much as there are great, fun things going on with uh, you know, with, you know, being ranked basketball, entering the AP poll, getting, you know, a good seed in the NCAA tournament, there are still a lot of sucky things that are happening in cougar dumb as well. And so, yeah. Yeah. Just sad. So hearts go out to the family of the platers. I mean, obviously nothing, he hasn't passed yet, but, but the health sounds, like it is deteriorating pretty quickly. Sad news for for both him and his family. Sad news for the Bradleys. Um, sad news, man. A sad note to start things off as we get in to uh, as we get into the show. But you did mention that basketball is ranked second straight year that Mark Pope has taken this team from unranked at the beginning of the year to inside the top 25. That's a big deal. Like I know the tournament is happening, and that's what really matters. That's what we're going to talk about. But that's a big deal and a huge feather in the cap of Mark Pope, especially this year when everybody really considered this to be a rebuilding year. He has got this team back into the top 25 without really a bona fide go to guy, which is like there isn't a TJ a Yoli Childs. That you can go to every possession and count on an opportunity for a bucket. Right. Right. Like, Huge credit to Mark Pope and huge credit to the players, obviously, but man, Mark Pope deserves a ton of credit and his staff for getting this team to a point that they can be successful and that they can win games. And it's, it really is a huge deal, especially just when you talk about it, because it's like, what is going to happen now, especially with Mark Pope, like his name is popping up, right? Like it's people talk about him for the Indiana job. And it's like, dude, why the he's why would he go to the Hoosiers? Right? That's all yeah, because a he played for the Pacers for a minute. Like right. Like I mean, that's akin to Scott Frost going to Nebraska. Like Nebraska is not what Nebraska was in days of yore, right? Like it's not right. And so it's very, very different field of you know what things are like and everything. And so I would not you know, I definitely would not worry like, you know, with Mark Pope and all of that, like it's, you know, I, he's not going to Indiana, but yesterday, Utah, finally, I guess they got the money from somewhere. They finally fired 80K. And do you think Utah will call Mark Pope? Cause I mean, Larry Christoviak was one of the top 15 highest paid college basketball coaches in the country. Are they going to say, Hey Mark, what's your, what's your number? Like, what's your price? I think they'd be stupid not to, but I don't think that he would go um, for a couple of reasons. One, he doesn't have that nostalgia figure and money. I don't think matters as much to Mark Pope as it would to another coach like Mark Pope made a a decent amount of money while playing in the NBA. He is well-to-do. He is very close to uh, Ryan Smith. So if he needs money and, and, he can find it. So I'm not worried about money being an issue. And so let's take money off the table, right? Like let's say Utah can come in and offer $3 million a year. I'm confident that BYU could say, hey, Ryan, can you help us out? and let us retain your guy to support your school and they could come up with the money so well, taking he, money off the table here's what i want to know. Will ryan even just do that on Probably. his own right like it's because yeah. i know there's okay if you go through an official contract it's got to like go all the way up to the board of directors whatever but really is it going to be like oh says your friend like here we will do this not maybe under the table entirely but under the table from byu that it's you know maybe is did mark pope you know, was he given some Qualtrics stock, right? Just as as a friend being like, hey, come invest in this with me and sure. kind of got a little creative with how things were done among friends. And it's not, you know, well, I mean- That's shady. That's what boosters do. I know well, it's- Well, that's what boosters player, do and Who cares? And they're in the same ward. So it's not even like- Yeah. So yes, I think he could. So if you take money off the table, why would you pick- BYU or why would you pick Utah over BYU right now? Like, okay, the, the, the first and the most obvious answer is going to be conference affiliation. Uh, The number one team in the country all year has been in the West coast conference. Now BYU is not Gonzaga. And clearly the rest of the West coast conference is not Gonzaga, but what Gonzaga proves and really what Villanova proves, what a lot of these schools recently Butler has proven you don't have to be like basketball is not football. You don't have to be, in a power conference to establish a powerhouse in basketball. So what the conference affiliation really does is it allows that school to pay more money for that position, but we just established that that's not an issue. In Utah, John Wilder, who really is is not a a friend of most BYU fans, John Wilder wrote an article today kind of illustrating that Utah, outside of the Majerus years, is pretty meh. Uh, the Majerus years they were in the tournament every year they had their you know their final four run and I I think that Utah has been over the last hundred years or something like that they had been to the tournament 21 times and 11 of those came under Majerus you take away those years Utah is very very similar if not a little bit worse than BYU from a traditional standpoint right and and so on Certainly, they have the capability to become Majerus again. And when DeLon Wright, Jakob Purtle were there under Kristoviak, they did a couple of really good things in 2015-2016. But I think where things stand today, BYU is clearly at a different tier than Utah. And I don't think that Utah is a program like, say, North Carolina, Kentucky, you know, some schools that might have a down year or Texas is maybe a better example. Schools that have down years can get the right guy and turn things around and get back to a powerhouse level within a year or two. Utah's not that program. They don't have that kind of history. They don't have that kind of pull in the recruiting base. So it's it's got to take a guy who, who can build a program. And can Mark Pope build a program? Of course he can, but he's already built one at BYU. And if if that's the only lure is a power conference, you're playing the number one team in the country at least two times a year already, so why? I
1: yeah. just don't
0: see Mark Pope in Utah being a thing. No, I think probably the first one, uh, I imagine they call Craig Smith up at Utah State. I think that would like that's going to be a thing. I think they're going to pull somebody, it's going to be a mid major code. I think it's probably, I mean, it's very similar because what Chris. Crisco came from Montana or Montana state or whatever. Like it's going to be a similar hire to that where it was like a, it's going to be a mountain West or a horizon or big sky coach. There, like There's a bunch of WCC coaches that could fit the bill. Like even Randy Bennett, we already kind of talked about, he could fit the bill. Uh, I think Damon Stodemeyer at Pacific would be a good fit at Utah. If they think that he's done enough um There's a lot of really good players. Stan Johnson at LMU, I think, is another one that could come in and do some things. So I think that it could very easily be the the, the Utah coaching job could very easily be a job that impacts BYU's coaching staff in that if Pacific yeah. loses Damon Stoudemire, then Chris Burgess, Cody Fuger, Nick Robinson, those guys would be, I would think, on the short list for Pacific to go and call and, and hire their new head coach. But I don't think Mark Pope is going anywhere, and I don't think that Utah is going to go and call Chris Burgess and hire one of BYU's assistants. But yeah. this absolutely could have an impact on BYU's coaching staff. They probably will also talk to Alex Jensen, the Jazz assistant, and see, I don't think he will take that call. Well, he'll, yeah, he'll take the call, he but he won't take that job. It'll it'll be Kellen Moore, right? Kellen Moore, listen to Boise. And Boise people want to tell you that Kellen Moore was really, really interested and he was going to take it, but – He didn't, and he got a raise. I think anybody objectively could look at that and say, hey, Kellen Moore just wanted more security from the Cowboys. I think Alex Jensen knows that he's got future NBA head coach on his horizon. He'll take the call. It's his alma mater up the street. He's not taking that job. Yeah. So it will be interesting to watch and see. I hope it is someone that I can also nickname the way, you know, I think coming up with the name ADK is probably the greatest – Contribution I will ever have to the sports world. So it's needed to be somebody, you know, it's, I gotta give me something to work with here. Either you either need to do something stupid so I can nickname you, or just have something we make fun of. Or if it's Randy Bennett, like I, it would honestly oh. kind of be nice because then I wouldn't hate St. Mary's as much. Like I could continue to focus all of my basketball hate into a single program rather than having it spread across multiple. And so that may kind of uh, be an upside. I I think that I could get on board with Randy Bennett. and I would actually be excited about that because it wouldn't be just BYU fans that hated Utah at that point. It would be the collective college basketball country that all hated Utah basketball at that point. And I think even a a very decent size of Utah fans would probably hate Utah basketball at that point. Uh, Randy Bennett is universally hated by everybody because he's the worst. So I'm on board with that. Uh, we may have buried the lead, as they say. I mean, should we have led this show with talking about the NCAA tournament? That is obviously the biggest news that's happening. But here we are wrapping the show up. And uh, we're now just getting to the tournament, to the big news. And we're not really wrapping the show up, I guess. But we're, we're well into the show. Yeah. Um, how many? If I we, had, just a start with if the we had a producer, he's. He'd be tapping the, the Judge Judy, tapping a wrist watch thing. That's yeah, where we yeah. be at. But I mean, it's yeah. tournament week. Can you believe it's been a freaking year since like last year? I mean, that one day, there's this couple days when it was like NCAA tournament canceled. Like, you know, Rudo Gobert tested positive. NBA is canceled. MLB is kick pushing back their season. MLS is canceled. The XFL went bankrupt and got bought by the rock and is now talking to the CFL about doing something collaboratively. You know, all of this worry. stuff kind of happened in like. Two days and it was so wild. And now it's been a full year since then. And it's finally back where the tournament is starting tomorrow. And I'm excited. I don't, I don't quite understand why they switched the days, like why they pushed back. And instead of doing Thursday, Saturday, Saturday, and I don't either. I think it may have just been because like they're doing the bubble that there was like last night there was like a cutoff for a replacement team, and so if anyone didn't like had a positive test, they were just going to pull them out and like re- like shove everybody up a spot and then put the new thing in or something, and they were going to do something like that. And so I think they needed that extra day, and so that's why because the first weekend is Saturday Monday instead of Friday Sunday, and yeah, I, that was weird to me, but that makes sense. So it's. Yeah, so it's really interesting with that. And I wonder, um, you know, how that'll shake out. But I don't, if you are filling out a bracket, you are allowed to have at most three brackets that I could think I'm gonna of. Say, I'm going to say, I'm going to make it more specific. You are allowed to have one bracket per network. Yes. And so that's what I was thinking of ESPN, CBS, Yahoo. I don't know anyone else that does it. So. That's I guess no Fox probably has one. So yes, one per network, but with the caveat, it has to be pretty much the same. Like, I'm not going to expect you to go back and copy it over one by one, but you can't be that guy. That's like one of my brackets did this because I filled out 10 different brackets on the ESPN tournament thing. It's like, no, that doesn't count. Right. Like it's, you can do one per network and they have to be mostly the same, but a little like little variance here or there or you can have two of your serious bracket and then your meme bracket. Like your, I'm going all the crazy upsets. There's no way this would ever happen just to like, you know, this is my, not my pretend thing where it's, I've decided that Abilene Christian is my ride or die 14 seed. And they're going to knock off Texas and then make it all the way to the final four. Like you can have your meme bracket and your legit bracket, but you know, you got to, yeah, don't, don't be the guy who's got 10 that is taking them all serious. One of my brackets says, and oh, now that's the worst guy. And really, bracket guy on social media, unless you are 100% accurate after the first two days, so after the round of 64 is over, if you have 100% of your pick correct, picks correct or just one wrong, then you are permitted to talk about that on social media because that is a feat worth talking about if you are i don't know like 11 for 16 at the end of the first day nobody cares nobody cares so don't be the guy it's like fantasy football guy nobody wants to hear about everybody's fantasy football team but if you do something extraordinary then by all means you should talk about that but if you're just running a run-of-the-mill bracket come on let's spare everybody spare you the embarrassment spare us the the uh, need to correct you and to call you out which we will be doing we will be dedicating the give them help brigham twitter handle this weekend to calling out any dumb bracket talk that we see we will just use hashtag g-e-h-b the person if they're not a listener of the show they'll be very very confused but that's what we're going to do just to just and really- if see it Tag us so we can publicly shame them. Like there is yeah, that is our method of we need some we need some flogging. There there has to be some flogging. So uh we'll we'll do it. You know, I am I'm happy to take that responsibility. Um a common pick on everybody's brackets right now, it seems like nationally, all the all the talking heads is whoever BYU plays will beat BYU. Doesn't matter whether it's Michigan State or UCLA. Uh, ESPN, everybody at ESPN is picking Michigan State or UCLA, which is probably to be expected, right? That's what happens when you play a blue blood program. When you play a name program, um, you tend to be the target of the upset pick. I don't know that BYU loses to either one of those teams. I'm just not that concerned. I was initially because the their shock value when hey, six seed, ugh, Michigan State. Like I felt that. And I was initially worried. The more I have thought about this, the more I have looked into Michigan State, the program, uh, what BYU can do, how they can, I'm just not that worried. Could Michigan State win? Of course they could. They've beaten three of the four number one teams. But I don't think that they are a bad matchup because Michigan State is all about physicality. They are a physical, physical team. BYU has the personnel to be a very physical team, so I wouldn't be that worried about it. Yeah, I I like BYU's chances in both of them, whether it's Michigan State or UCLA. Like, I think a lot of people are just assuming that Michigan State is going to win that game, but I think um, the staff sounds like they are considering it's going to be much more of a toss-up. And so I don't, my biggest worry is not necessarily it being Michigan State or UCLA, but similar to what we saw last week in the WCC tournament against Pepperdine, where they had that warm up game, and we haven't played in what will have been like two weeks almost, right? Like it's because what we're playing on Saturday, and so yeah, that will be, uh, you know, a couple of weeks removed from almost two full week, a week and a half removed from the WCC championship, and so similar to what we saw against Pepperdine, where it's like it's a late start. The other team has gotten to play together. We've just been sitting around in the bubble like a little. It's awkward and you know, being out of sync, really, you know, not having that game time, I could see something like that making a difference. And, um, you know, that really being kind of, you know, that being the issue and seeing like where, um, you know, that popping up, I guess, and seeing, um, of where we just kind of come out and look sloppy and have to gut out a win. And so I, that's where I see the issue being, but not necessarily like the, raw matchup on paper of us versus them yeah that's fair i i I honestly kind of like normally i don't like the long layoff but i i have this feeling that maybe the long layoff kind of counteracts the hey we're in the tournament feeling right like that's the if there is one thing i'm worried about for byu and not really regardless of who they're playing um it's that we're in the tournament factor Maybe the two-week layoff kind of helps because they can ease into it a little bit more. They're just going to be happy to be playing basketball again. Maybe it doesn't feel so foreign. Maybe the fact that they had just played the number one team in the country makes this feel like a smaller task, reduced crowd sizes. Maybe that helps too. I don't know. But uh, that that's my big primary concern. But I'm with you, man. I, I like BYU to be favored regardless of which opponent they play. I personally like the matchup against Michigan State a little bit more. Uh, They have probably a little more star power, but uh, UCLA, I think, scares me a little bit more because they are more athletic. They play a faster game. They do the things that BYU's team last year did really, really well, but has not been a strength for this year's team. So that matchup scares me a little bit more. If BYU can advance – do they beat Texas in the second round? I don't know that Texas makes it to the second round. Oh, yeah, I, that's good, I mean, like point. Abilene Christian was seated very low because they don't play in a great conference, but they dominated their entire schedule. So that's true. that where you're saying like the feeling of being in the tournament could be, you know, their thing, um, you know, that could be, uh, you know, something where they just, like I could see that being a not crazy, uh, you know, upset. It's the only their second NCAA tournament appearance ever, but they are twenty three and four, and their, you know, their losses were to, um, you know, they lost to Texas Tech, they lost to Arkansas, they blew a, a dropped a game to Sam Houston State, and then Central Arkansas, so they dropped two conference games. But still, in their conference tournament, they, they, they won were game 93 job, to 71 and they won the championship game 79 to 45. So, and they are the best shooting, they're the best shooting three point team in the country. Yeah. I, and you're they, making, you're getting me convinced that uh, Texas is going down in round one. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, but the issue is, like, looking at their strength of schedule here on just on Sport references, is 330th out of 347. So it's like, great. No, it's so good. it's like it very much is a well. Have they played anyone? Is that why the numbers good? But it's I think they are an underrated as a 14 seed. Where it's not. I'm not saying that it's going to be a slam dunk upset, but it's like I would not be surprised if they pull off that upset. But I think you know Texas in round two. I think they can pull it out you know BYU pulled out too it's I think you know it's not but again it's not a like oh yes definitely thing it's probably like okay I think the first game is probably 60 40 maybe 70 30 and then the second game is maybe 60 40 which if you're doing the math on that then that would put it like at a 40 percent chance of making it through to the sweet 16 but then there's also you know, flip side of that is there's a 60% chance of not making it out of the first weekend. So it's, you know, I would not be surprised either way, but I think both of the matchups can be favorable if they come out and play well, but like it's March, you can't lay an egg. There is no laying eggs in the tournament. You're done. So it's, they have to show up and kind of put on their best performance, which is something that honestly, like in tournament settings, we haven't seen right from well from mark pope's teams so well which there's only two of them but it's like last year there was the saint mary's game in this in the conference tournament this year we had Pepperdine, and then one half of good game a good half against the zag so it's like which team is going to show up and what are they going to do and are they ready for this moment it's that is question I, i if bYU gets past either michigan state or ucla i think they will be a very trendy pick to make it to the Sweet 16 and upset Texas or take care of business against Abel and Christian. Um, the second round matchup looks much more appealing to me than this game against Michigan State or UCLA. And I feel fairly confident that BYU will be able to take care of business against Michigan State or UCLA. If Michigan State is firing on all cylinders, then there's not very many teams in the country who can beat them. But they have proven that they can't do that on a consistent basis. Their biggest wins have come against conference teams outside of the Big Ten. Michigan State didn't do much, and they looked pretty bad. So I, I like BYU in this game, despite the fact that every national pundit that I have seen does not. I, I do like BYU here. Uh, that is not the only BYU news. Spring football, we have to talk about it just at a, a very high level um spring football man news has been so locked down like there's not even a grumbling um interviews are tough i I don't think people really understand how hard it is to do an interview with a college coach like if you're a journalist covering the white house right you have a scoop and you were trying to get confirmation of that scoop when you ask questions but when you're interviewing a coach you are trying to pry information from them. You really don't have any information most of the time, especially covering spring football. So the questions that you ask, if you ask too fluffy of a question, you get a fluffy answer that really doesn't teach you anything. But if you ask too difficult of a question, the coach gets into guarded mode and gives you a non-answer answer. And When there is no media viewing anything, you can't look and see and say, hey, look, it looks like so-and-so was in the cast. What's going on? There's no questions like that. You're really just asking fluffy questions. Like, it it sucks. It sucks. I feel for those media guys that are on the uh, Zoom calls every week, multiple times a week, because it's just a a lose-lose situation for them. Uh, So, anyway, information is locked down. Having said that, Micah Harper did have surgery that is posted on his Instagram. So it's not like we're breaking news here, Uh, but he did say, or he did have surgery. Don't know what he had surgery on, but he had surgery quoted a scripture on the Instagram post. And that was pretty much it. So some sort of an injury for Micah Harper, which is an absolute bummer. It looks like it was outpatient surgery. I mean, so it's not anything that he's going to have to be there for a while. But the surgery did happen t- today. That's really the only spring football news I've got. Have you heard anything else? No. I mean, they're, well, they did announce that they are letting about 7,500 fans in to watch the finals, like to watch the spring game, the last spring practice. Um, and it will be next Friday. I think it said tickets are going to be like 10 bucks, whatever. Um, so you can go watch that. I did think it was weird that, so the graphic that they put up, they put all four of the quarterbacks, but Jacob Conover was in the white on white Jersey and everyone else was wearing Royal. And so I'm like, are you trying to say something there? Or cause at least <laughs> aesthetically it just looked weird. Cause if it was like, re- like if all of them were wearing a different uniform combo, that makes sense a little cluttered, but it makes sense. If it was like, red, white, or red. I don't know why I said red. Blue. Red's never the color. No, red. I was looking at our agenda and I saw the like hog and Iona Gale and said red (laughs) Um, with the pictures you put in there. Um, If it's like blue, white, blue, white. Okay. That makes sense. It's balanced. But like when it's like Salja's in blue, Baylor's in blue, Jaron's in blue, Conover's over here in white, and he's the only also the only one without a ball. They're all holding a ball, and he's just standing there with his hands on his hips. Doesn't make sense, but (laughs) you're gonna be able to see some things, it's gonna be a good time. You can go watch that. It's really, I mean, spring ball, it's sound, you know, everything it sounds like it's been back and forth. There hasn't been like, you know, they're always gonna kind of keep it close to the chest of guys that really stand out, and you know, they don't want to you know, be give to public about what they're doing with things, but it does really does sound like it has been a little bit of back and forth. And, you know, the defense has had good days and the offense is a good days. And that's what you want to see. Like you don't want to see the offense dominating practice after practice. Cause that means your defense sucks. Like you want good. And you want to mix from both. And, yeah. uh, and it sounds like that's where things are at. I think the other, I mean the other football news is that there is yet another Kafusi that is coming and you can never have more, can never have too many kafusis in the program. And that is kafusis without an apostrophe. Because if you need to make someone's last name plural, as in there are multiple Hansons, you do not put an apostrophe in there. I just we want to make that clear right now that uh-huh. give them hell brigham is for proper usage of apostrophes. And yeah. so- not not every uh, like grammatic principle. We don't we don't have to stand by all of them. I am not a fan of the Oxford comma. I think it's stupid. So I rarely do it unless I have to. But uh, when it comes to possessive S's versus plural S's, yes, it's, it's time. But we're adults. That is my, the other one that's mine is things have swung so far that nobody knows how to use I and me. They always say I when it's now I have to, because when you're a little kid, they always like correct you. Because like, you no. remember, yeah, that you go at the end, right? right? I is last. Right. Or you say like, oh, it's like me and so-and-so want to do this. You always get corrected. It's like, no, it's so-and-so and I want to do this, whatever. But if it is me, if you're saying it by yourself, then it's me when there's multiple people. Like, you know, not say, oh, Hershey High Country Beef sponsors Jeff and I on the show. That's wrong. Sponsors wrong. Jeff and me right? Like it is always because yes. they sponsor me. So then it's Jeff and me. If it's Jeff and I are sponsored because it's, I am sponsored, right? It's if it's I by itself, then it's I with multiple people. If it's me by itself, it's me with multiple people because, you know, we're not going to get into the particulars of direct objects mostly, and indirect objects. And mostly things just, because we don't know them. Well, we just I know this works. Yes. But if, this is the simple rule. If you would say me when it's by yourself, do this. So never say someone was, you know, was talking to so-and-so and and I, like, it's never just stop saying that. Okay. And for the other one, for another shout out to Jeff with a G, Jeff Johnston, it is not jive. And that's a spelling thing. But when you say something doesn't jive, like a jive is a dance. The word is actually jibe with a B J I B E is if it's like, it's not, doesn't, you know, something's off. It doesn't, it's not up to like, something doesn't seem quite right. It's, it doesn't jibe with a B. And so those are our three English lessons here. You know, we're getting your language arts, your banking education, your basketball (laughs) bracketology education. It's really covering the full gamut here. I can get on board with jive versus jive for sure. Jeff with the G though, I have one problem and he and I have talked about this on the internet before. I will never, ever, 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 ever get on board with when talking about BYU, the independent program, and you say BYU is indie, spelling it like an indie rock band of I N D I E. No, indie, I N D Y. And Jeff, you will forever be wrong. You had you had a logic. I remember this conversation. You had a thought process that was it was, it was sound. Everything made total sense, but it was wrong it was just wrong i i don't have a thought process for why indy ends with a y instead of an ie but it does it just does and i can never be convinced otherwise the i'm also team indy it's, It just makes more sense yeah i don't i mean i don't know if he was saying it's because it's like do people abbreviate like car or Indianapolis and like maybe you say like no it's we're not in Indianapolis so that's why it needs to be I don't but I don't was, I'm sure it makes sense right like Jeff did it made him, perfect dude, sense it makes very sense. Intelligent, you just disagree with but him. he was wrong no 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 I don't disagree he was wrong okay and I love you Jeff but you were wrong and I'm sorry we've all been wrong before this was your one time no matter how sound of a of a of a case you make it just doesn't make sense it just can't you know, no matter no matter what Utah fans want to say about nine in a row, about Kyle Whittingham, about this or that or NFL players, whatever, no BYU fan is ever in their gonna in their right mind going to say, Well, yeah, you're right, Utah's better. Because it's just wrong. They're not. And no matter what logic you have, Jeff, Indy does not end with an IE. It just doesn't. Speaking of BYU and the NFL, this is our last thing before we call this a show. Uh, A few new contracts for BYU. Jamal Williams, two years, seven and a half million with the Detroit Lions, which is really like the scrap heap of the NFL. Maybe they'll be good with Jared Goff, but probably not. They do have that new head coach who wants to bite people's kneecaps off, which is a little bit appealing to me. Uh, The the biggest downside to Jamal in Detroit is there is not a chance in hell we're going to see him on TV because the Lions will never ever make it on tv this show, no, so that's a you're gonna have to get red zone or some or sunday ticket to get every game if you want to watch jamal yep and even then uh, he's gonna be backing up deandre deandre swift and he's not going to be rv1 so it's gonna be tough michael davis re-upped with the uh with the chargers with the the chargers formerly known as the san diego chargers and they are not that anymore uh the los angeles chargers uh, guaranteed 15 million bucks and that's really the number that matters good for him like absolutely good for him the best backup cornerback to ever come out of BYU just signed a lucrative deal to stay in the NFL as a cornerback and then Taysom Hill has the best Loch Ness monster of a deal that you will ever see in your life a four-year, one hundred and forty million dollar behemoth of a deal that will probably net him ten million bucks, twelve yeah. million bucks. Just uh, I don't understand. So they did it to restructure cap space. He signed a four-year, one hundred forty million dollar year. He'll make about twelve million this year. All four years of this deal are voidable. So even if he if he if he got hurt tomorrow, they could cancel the deal this year. But yeah. he'll make about twelve million bucks this year. And I think that it's somewhere in that range next year. And then in 2023, which I really don't understand why it's even part of this deal, because even if he plays well, it's not going to happen. It's like he would then have two years and $115 million left on the deal. Like he would be one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. It's it's not going to happen. So I don't know why they did those last two years. So the headline reads great. The details, uh, basically the same situation for Taysom that he was in before he signed the deal. Yeah. I don't. Um, yeah. It's really weird. And that's it. Basically he's doing them a solid and they also yeah. re-signed James Winston. So, I mean, it really depends and it's kind of structured the way the two deals are structured. It's to save them the most cap space and whoever gets the most, like whoever wins the starting job will be very incentive heady. Like very incentive heavy and will get paid adequately. Uh, but it's, he was really just doing them a solid. And if it works out for him and he does really well, then he will make a lot of money. But really in reality, there's like a less than 1% chance that actually gets paid out. Um, other news, I guess it was Kyle Van Noy because of the reduced cap space, Kyle Van Noy was released by the Dolphins. Um, and it sounds like both the Ravens are looking at him. And then right when the Patriots were signing everybody in their dog, the other day he tweeted out some eyeball emojis. And so people are speculating that maybe he's headed back to new England, which he did obviously did very well for himself in Belichick system. So it could be a good thing for him there, but that's um, I'm sure probably by the time we record next week, um, we will have, you know, we will see for Van Noy what that's going to look like and where he ends up. I'm sure he will be signed next week. Um, Jeff, it's been a good episode. It's been a little bit longer episode. We covered a wide, wide, range of options. We ran through the whole gauntlet mm-hmm. of everything under the sun that we could think of to talk about this week. And it really was a good episode. It was, I'm going to go spend two days in a Mesquite casino next week. So looking forward to, sorry, this weekend, I'm going to spend two days in a Mesquite casino, looking forward to telling the tales next week. That will be what I'm looking forward to. Please take lots of pictures of, well, depending on what you see, I mean, keep it family rated, but any good people seeing cause there's just, I mean, you see a lot of different types of people in a casino but it's just something extra special when you're in a mesquite casino like there's a certain oh, yeah. level of gordon ramsay on meth vibe to yeah. those people yeah. there woo all the way and with that jeff give him hell give him hell